We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks won a f***ing NBA championship. Yeah! What? What? He tries to take a pulse, baby. Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it. That sounds too good. No, roll. Uh, roll no, 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 no. <laughs> if the Bucks do win it all, Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep of Milwaukee Bucks podcast, probably a part of the Eurostep podcast network, ever expanding, and the Blue Wire podcast network. I am Ty Windish, one of your hosts, and I am joined, as always, by the persuasive, it's not really what I meant to look for, um, inquisitive Rohan Kadi. Rohan, how's it going? I'm doing well. Uh, it's... It's playoff time, Ty. We've yeah. wrapped up the regular season. The Bucks' final game against the Cavaliers was a loss. It was a little bit of a dud. It was a fun game for basketball sickos like myself. Honestly, like that point in the fourth quarter when they went on that run, when they actually started trying on defense. They cut it to 12. I Like it was a real game for a second there. Like I – so this episode we, we interviewed people who cover four of the premier threats in the playoffs. This is a – Playoff primer. It does not cover the Bucks' first round opponent, the Chicago Bulls. We will bring you an episode doing that later this week. But we wanted to start by looking at, you know, the cream of the crop, the El Jefes, the bosses, besides the Bucks, in the Eastern Conference. So we are tackling four of those teams here today. But I was on an interview, interviewing with one of the one of our fine guests who will will announce in a second here. And I, I was like, I might just stop the interview if this game gets any closer because, you know, maybe the Bucks are going to win after all and, and be the two seed uh, no matter what happens with Boston and Memphis. But uh, unfortunately, the Cavs kind of tried again. And, and then the Mamu, Ray John Tucker, Lindell Wigginton core just couldn't couldn't pull it out. Keep disrespecting T.A. I dare you. You know, I I thought about just naming all six players. That it was only six guys who actually played. Drew plays eight seconds and gets three hundred K, which it's good work if you can get it. Yeah, for sure. Just extrapolating that to like a like yearly income is ridiculous. Is it? Do you think it's still like? Is it? Is that still less than Musk? If you average it out, do you think? I don't want to think about that. I don't either. Sadly, it might might be. But Drew Holiday, try to do that all the time, and then then you can be the richest man on earth. I even, think. even LeBron was uh, saluting his ability to secure the bag, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> I think we can all agree if Drew Holiday was one of the world's wealthiest people, we'd all be better off. Although it probably wouldn't last long because he tends to give away a lot of his earned income because Drew Holiday rules. Okay, enough of that. Um, before we get to the interviews, 
Got to say, Brewers pulled out a nice, a very needed victory today. Go subscribe to Cruisin' for a Bruisin', spelled like Brew Crew, Cruisin' for a Bruisin'. GSPN's Milwaukee Brewers podcast with Adam McGee and Andrew Snyder, the newest full host, full-fledged host on GSPN. We're growing, Rohan. It's very exciting. It's 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 only fitting that uh, at the beginning of last playoff run, we formed GSPN. Yeah. And now as the playoffs are beginning this season, we're expanding GSPN. Very happy about that. Make sure you check out Cruising for a Bruising. Great content from them. I'm even following baseball now because Same. of them. Yeah, I'm all in. I was, I was, I was out and about yesterday. Just go, Dan, come on, Woodruff, get it together. And this is like peak Bucks, well, not peak, but like right before peak Bucks run. So you know, maybe I won't be able to follow every game during the Bucks playoff run, but you can bet as soon as that ends, I'm going to be all in on the Brewers, man. I think we're both going to make appearances. I'm excited to hear yours. I think. You're going to have a lot of MLB The Show input somehow. That'll be fun to hear, but it should be good. But enough baseball, enough other stuff. Let's shout out our our great guests here and let the people know who they are going to be listening to. We split up for this so we could cover more ground because we wanted to kind of get a, a good idea of all of the teams that we think are the premier in the East. So there are Three other teams that finished with the Bucks in the top four, the Heat, the Celtics, the Bucks, and the Sixers. And then we also had to cover the Nets. As much of a wild card as they are, as much as people probably don't believe in them because, you know, they're, what, ninth right now or tenth? No, 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 eighth? Seven. I don't know why I thought play-in started. I, I knew they were top half of the play-in. They're seventh. They're still FKD and Kyrie, so we had to cover them as well. So... We split up. Rohan, we want to let us know who you talked to first. So for, with the aforementioned Nets, I talked to a previous guest of the podcast, Matt Brooks, at Matt Brooks NBA on Twitter for great analysis. And then for the Sixers, I talked to another former guest on the pod, Jackson Frank, uh, who covers all things Sixers and all things NBA in general. Ty, who did you talk to? So for the Boston Celtics, who... The uh, Bucks were maybe ducking, maybe not, or we're, I guess we're flip-flopping with that team to maybe or maybe not duck the Nets. I talked to Tom Westerholm of the Geno Time podcast, writes for Boston.com. He's first-time guest, but we were very, very happy to have him. Great stuff from Tom. And then to cover the Miami Heat, I talked to friend of the show, David Ramil. Friend of the show, no friend of Bucks Twitter. Um, which I think is is mutual, but let's or maybe he will be now. Yeah, maybe we can all relax. And also, yeah, I, I raised emoji. Um, but so in order, you're going to hear Rohan talk to Matt, me talk to Tom, Rohan talk to Jackson, and then me talking to David. So we're switching it up. You'll get to get their perspectives on their team season, how they match up with the Bucks, how they guard Giannis, who will win a potential series. Um, so yeah, th- this is our chat with. All of uh, all of the contending teams coverage folks, and of course we will dive in deeper when the Bucks, if the Bucks are matched up with these teams later. But we just wanted to cover the whole field and just get a good idea of. I think it was interesting how teams, how people covering other teams, I should say, evaluate the Bucks. It was pretty interesting. It is very interesting, and also last thing before I get into it, uh, these were recorded before uh, we yes. knew seating in general. So we recorded this before we knew that the Bucks were going to be the third seed and facing the Chicago Bulls. So if there's any discourse to the contrary of what's reality, that's why. <laughs> yeah, um, just focus on the 
strat talk and less on the um, it's shaking out like this currently talk because things tend to change a lot. Um, but yeah, I think still great relevant conversations. We're excited to share. So starting off, here is Rohan's combo with Matt Brooks. Okay, and now joining us to talk about all things Brooklyn Nets and a potential series with the Milwaukee Bucks is Matt Brooks. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me back on. Uh, very excited that we are concluding the regular season. Uh, it's been a weird year to, to to watch and cover the Nets. So um, excited that we're like getting getting into the play in, getting into the playoffs. Assuming the Nets make it through, it's it's an exciting point of the year. I live for this part. Yeah, and as we are recording this, it's seeming likely that we might actually get a Bucks Nets first round series. So we might have another pod coming with you later. Stay tuned for that if it happens. Uh, but uh, for for those who are unfamiliar with what has been a tumultuous season for the Brooklyn Nets, uh, to say the least, can you give the people a quick little quick summary of what's happened so far this year? All right, I'm going to try to not mention anything about mandates and vaccines because that I just don't know if my brain can handle any more of that. No, it's been a, it's been a yeah, tumultuous is a good way to put it. Um, here we are at this point of the year. The Nets have, you know, I, I think they've had Kyrie back for 28 games, um, and I have no idea what this team is. That's the best way to describe it. Like they are still there's there's still quotes coming out. Steve Nash had a couple quotes last night about how they feel like they're still in training camp. Uh, there are times where they necessarily, they, they, they look like it. Um, this has just been a team of a lot of instability. They had James Harden and no Kyrie at the beginning of the year. Harden forces out. Um, Kyrie comes back probably like probably a month after. And now there's this strange team that doesn't have Ben Simmons on the floor. Uh, Seth Curry's running around. KD's carrying the team kind of, it's just been a, it's been a strange year. Um, and it's really, really hard to get a good, uh, Get, get a good gauge of like who this team is. Yeah, it's it's strange. We we have no idea. Do you do you think Ben Simmons is out? He's not playing. He's I not playing. I'm I've been under the impression that he's not playing. Like pretty much since the trade happened. Yeah, which is awkward. <laughs> yeah, because I, I remember the initial reporting around it was going to be always oh, going to come back when KD comes back, but then there's the herniated disc issue, which is obviously you don't want to mess around with back injuries, especially yep. with someone of his age and his talent level. But it's just a wild ride of a season for Brooklyn. Just absolutely wild. James Harden's gone. Like, I still yep. don't believe that actually happened. Like the big three, the biggest theoretical big three of all time is done. It happened. It's over. Ben Simmons is on the team. What's going to happen with Kyrie in the offseason? Because uh, he's definitely never said that he's going to sign somewhere and then not <laughs> sign in the past. That's never happened. Uh, <laughs> but like... I'm sure he's going to stay. I'm sure he's going to stay with. Kate. Yeah, he'll 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 stay. I think that's pretty locked in. Um, but even those two, like you watch them play sometimes, and you're like, I don't know if this is necessarily necessarily like the perfect duo here. Like the, it's just like that that synergy isn't completely there yet. So I, they'll have a bunch of years, most likely, to to figure that out and work through those things. But yeah, I mean, I'll say this: like I'm sure no Nets fan wants to hear this, but man, this team misses James Harden. Like even this year's James Harden. Like and James Harden misses the Nets right now, like watching him play, um, which is sad. You know, everybody that trade gets made in February where, you know, he goes to Philly and, you know, there are people saying, oh, you know, I think both teams won the trade. Both teams got better. I, I actually think both teams lost the trade. Honestly, like I can't look at either team and be like, well, 
definitely in a better position now. It's just, it's, it's a weird, it's just been such a strange season. Yeah. Just a, a superstar trade where both teams are sort of like, wait, what, what, what happened? Here? What did we just do kind of in a way the nets are like, wait, hold. I mean, to be fair, like th- that, that situation got pretty bad. I think they were just happy to be, have it done with in a way. Um, but you know, you're bringing in a guy that has back problems at 25 and has had problems pretty much since what the bubble, even dating back, I think a little bit in college. So uh, so you do that, that's your main ship from that trade. And then Philly's like, I mean, Philly's got to be looking at hard and being like, we have to pay him what this off season. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's an awkward thing. It's, it's a real, it's a real awkward situation that these teams have both put each other into. Yeah. As, uh, as Ty likes to say, tour date shooting numbers for James Harden are back, uh, which is, <laughs> it's interesting to say the least, but uh, let's say, and like I mentioned, this is looking likely. If the Bucks and Nets are indeed going to be playing in the playoffs this season, what matchups are you specifically looking towards in a potential series? Like what matchups do you think dictate a series? Uh, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is Kyrie and Drew. Um, I just like Drew did such a good job against Kyrie um, the last time these two teams played. And Kyrie's like, Kyrie's looked a little looked a little off since coming back full-time. He got reinstated what uh, reinstated, like this was whatever. I don't, I'm not getting into this. Uh, he, since he was brought back full-time uh, on what that was March 25th, he's had, I think only one game. I looked this up today, only one game where he shot over like 50% from the field. Um, so he's, he's been, he's been pretty off since playing. He's shooting, I think 38% from two point range. Um, his rim frequency is way, way down. I wrote about this in a big column that I put out today. Uh, so he's, he's just looked a little bit off. Um, and I think if that stays and, and holds true into the playoffs, that becomes really interesting. Cause that's like, they need Kyrie to be on, to take on this Bucks team. And I think Drew is somebody that's going to, that's going to take that, that's going to take that matchup on, um, and has done that historically has done a pretty good job at, at staying with Kyrie in the last two years, at least. So, um, I think, yeah, that that's the big one I'm watching. And then whatever the Nets can do to slow down Middleton. I mean, that, that was a big factor for them last year. Bruce Brown looked pretty good in that matchup at certain points. Um, he looked pretty good actually in the, in the game that those, that, uh, the Bucks and Nets played. I think he blocked, he blocked his three point shot twice once. Yeah. Chris got his jumper blocked like four times in that game. I we, we were watching that on playback and it was just absolutely wild. We never see a lot of Chris jumpers block, but Bruce Brown was doing a fantastic job. Yeah. I, Bruce has been like on a tear with, with blocking threes recently. It's, I don't, I'm not like completely sure how he's doing it, honestly. Um, so yeah, that's a big one. And then, you know, I think at, at the end of the day, like I'm sure we're, I, I, I know we're going to touch on this a little bit, but like the Giannis question always looms large. Yeah. Um, this is, I'm going to, I sent you this question beforehand. Like, who do you think on this team is geared to be a Bucks killer? I'm going to amend this and say, you cannot say Kevin Durant. Uh, because, uh whew, man, because Katie, Katie's obvious. We haven't we haven't talked about Kevin Durant yet. He's obvious. He is inevitable. Yeah. He is a player who's we saw last postseason. He is definitely capable of killing any team. Just his combination, his size, his shooting, everyone else. He's probably the greatest offensive player of all time. There's not there. No one has a shot. Like I'm not going to sit here and say Wes Matthews is the key to this series because he's going to be an innings eater on Kevin Durant. Like, sure. Yeah. He'll, he'll be a defender on KD. Is it going to make that much of a difference? Probably not. PJ Tucker was lauded for his defense on Kevin Durant and KD still went for like 50, like four times in that series. 
I'm not going to sit here and say that the Bucks have an adequate answer to stop Kevin Durant because right. no one does. So not Kevin Durant, who's a Bucks killer on the Nets roster. Like who's geared to attack Milwaukee's defense? Um, I mean, probably Seth Curry. I think that's probably um, that's probably the best way to to to, to go about it. Now, granted, uh, I think that like Drew, well, Drew's like the key to this series for me. Um, I like just holistically in terms of a he's going to guard Kyrie, but b he's like I just love any guard that can post up, and Drew being able to like he did that I think twice against the Bucks the last time or against uh, the Nets last time. These two face off. Um, he posted up Seth multiple times. And like if if they can survive and, and you know, if the Bucks can survive and like shut down Seth on the other end or do a, a, as good of a job as you can do. And you're also like posting him up and and hunting him on the other end. Uh, that's going to be really big. So I think Seth, because he's such a dynamic shooter and can create a little bit, he's a guy that can like do things on the second side. Um, I'm going to pick him. Um, but I, I also recognize like there are ways for the Bucks to attack the Nets when he's on the floor. Yeah, I was I was gonna say Seth Curry as well. Just the Bucks have struggled in recent years against like Drew is obviously he's a fantastic perimeter defender, but just in general, this Bucks team has struggled to really stay with a lot of shifty dynamic guards, especially one with the shooting ability of Seth Curry. Uh, the way they use him off motion, the way they use him sometimes as a lead ball handler, I think mm-hmm. he could potentially be a problem for Milwaukee, uh, especially if they're going to be switching a lot of their defensive coverages. Because we know last year uh, they sent a lot of different looks at Kevin Durant. Like Drew was guarding Katie for uh, here and there. They just wanted to keep sending different guys, not not giving him the same looks every time down the floor. So when Drew is not guarding a guard, who's who's on Seth Curry? Is it going to be Chris Middleton? We know they've used Chris Middleton to guard a lot of uh, a lot of shifty guards in the past, going back to last season, like Duncan Robinson against Miami. They stuck Chris on him, and uh, it went decently well. Chris is their de facto guy for motion guys, but Seth is a little different. He's more creative than that. He's definitely more dynamic. So that's going to be very interesting to see, and just just guard play in general, just. How are they going to, are they going to be able to stick with a guy like Patty Mills? Is Patty Mills going to shoot the, I, I know he's struggled. Is Patty Mills going to, what is Patty Mills going to do? I, I would not put my faith in Patty Mills. The thing with Patty, but Mills he's a gamer. That, he's a gamer yeah. in the playoffs. So <laughs> exactly. Plus it's like, if the shot is on, you're, you're going to get torched. You're, yep. We saw it in the op- opening night against uh, uh, the, when these two teams faced, it was just a, it was a, I think he was, he was seven for seven. Player. Yeah, seven yeah. for seven. Exactly. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. So I God, think that feels like play, ages ago. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. The guard play is going to be very important. But just besides just a singular player, I think I hinted at this already, but how is this team really geared to attack Milwaukee's defense? How are they geared to really abuse what Milwaukee is giving them? It's got to be from the three-point line. Um you know, because I think what the Bucks are—they give up the most threes in the league. Is that is that stat yeah, right? At the top. I, yeah. Okay. Uh, so that that's obviously got to be where it is. Now the Nets are not a team that has been high in terms of three-point rate. Um, a big part of that is that, especially since making the Harden trade, is that they don't have anybody that can, you know, get into the paint. Essentially, like they really don't. Uh, Kyrie's around, I think, eleven drives per game. KD's—I mean, they're both actually having career lows in rim in a rim frequency this year. So they don't have a guy that can like get into the paint, um, create from there. Like 
this weirdly feels like a series where Goran Dragic becomes really important, uh, which is not a sentence I thought I'd be saying uh, at the end of <laughs> the season. Uh, but here we are. So I think that's probably the way you have to do it is you have to put your head down, especially if you're Kyrie and try to try to kick to the corners and and, and try to find those reads from there. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's probably the biggest exploit. Now, I will say I thought the Bucks did a great job, especially in the final minutes. I think it was the fourth quarter of the last time these two teams played, they just did such a great job of running the nets off the line. I brought up Seth Curry a second ago. Um, I think it was Giannis, maybe. Uh, I think it was Giannis who like ran him off the line and then like guarded like three players. And I think like defended his three point shot at the very classic Giannis thing, but they, it was just kind of, they were very, um, the Bucks were very attuned to that. So uh, it'll be important for the nets to like apply that pressure throughout the entire series and really play the variance game that way. Yeah, I think uh, the rim pressure you bring up is very important because the Bucks, as we know, they're geared to stop players who go to the rim. And if that's not their thing, you can you can definitely attack them from beyond the arc. We've seen that a lot of times over the years that Coach Budenholzer has been here. It's just a lot of uh, it's it's a lot of live or die by the three sort of mm-hmm. mentality on the defensive end uh, for Milwaukee. You bring up Goran Dragic, which is it's it's funny because this series potential series has a, a little bit of fun interplay between uh, some players. We had Javon Carter on our pod as soon as he signed uh, with the Bucks, <laughs> and he, he didn't say this outright. He did not say this outright. I don't want to start anything, but he it seems like not very happy with the Brooklyn Nets. And no. it seems like just his Twitter activity, his family members' Twitter activity. I think they're they they they're looking they're looking for some revenge out here. Especially they they take uh they're they're pretty happy knowing that uh, Dragic has struggled at times with the Nets. So there's there's a potential for some rivalry, uh some revenge there. Yeah, and he was shooting the heck out of the ball at the very end too. So like it it yeah, it just really what it's just such a strange start to the year for the Nets. Uh Javon kind of starting slow, Bruce not being in the rotation, Bembry getting all these minutes. Like there were just, I don't know, things have fallen into place, I guess, for everybody, but very weird, very weird start, I think, for everybody. Um, yeah, that's that's cool. You guys had him on though. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh it's if he was playoff eligible, I would have bet that the Bucks would have tried to sign James Johnson after he got waived because that's just the <laughs> that's the pattern. Sign Bembry, sign Carter, get James Johnson here. You don't Why want not? that. Why you don't not? want hey, that. <laughs> I know I, I I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of James Johnson. His nickname is Bloodsport. I will you will never hear me say anything bad about James Johnson in my entire life. I, I am I am terrified. I will I, I would like to amend that statement. James Johnson was great. <laughs> yes, thank you. That is my mentality as well. Um, but uh but no, unfortunately, James Johnson is not playoff eligible, and we got Ray John Tucker, so that works out. But uh okay, let's talk let's talk about the Nets defense a little bit here. <laughs> And that 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 is a can of worms right there. The Nets defense. Um, so just generally, what are you what are your thoughts on how Milwaukee can fare against this Brooklyn Nets defense, and specifically Giannis? Well, Giannis is going to eat. Uh, the, and I I think that for me is like this. They just apply so much pressure on the Nets, um, and Giannis especially. And they just make them work. Um, the Nets were the last time these two teams played. They, the way the Nets were double teaming Giannis, especially when he posted up, was just like so bad <laughs> like the double would come and he'd like be looking directly at it you know they'd either do it like right on the catch or like it was just there's just no nuance to the way the nets defend a, a lot of the time um and they have a bunch of small guards like they they played the knicks the other night 
and their closing lineup. And granted, they were plus 15 in these minutes, also playing the Knicks in crunch time. Let's, let's just just would like to put that out there. I think they're 30th in crunch time offense um, or actually crunch time net rating. But the Nets ran out KD at the five, Bruce Brown, Patty Mills, Seth Curry, Kyrie Irving. Ton of firepower. Don't know how that would fare. Actually, I do know how that would fare. It would not fare well against the Bucks. Like Giannis would be like, awesome. This looks, this looks terrific. I think Giannis is taking, you know, the, in the moments that he's matched up with KD, uh, he attacks, he goes straight to the rim because KD, you know, KD's a good rim protector, but he doesn't want anything to do with that, man. Like he just doesn't. He, he at times he'll like he'll do like the matador defense, or he'll, if it's even a slight bump, he'll kind of like move out the way. It's just I, I don't know. I think that's the way they're going to do it. And the more you're forcing like the Nets to play bigger, I actually think that helps Milwaukee because, you know, the Nets playing bigger doesn't necessarily mean they're better. I think we saw that in the very first game of the year, they were running these lineups of like LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin together. And it's like, those are just, those are just that's losing a minutes. That's a yeah. Lineup. That's bad. Like just because you're bigger, doesn't mean you're better. And the Nets were still getting killed on rebounds and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I, I think that's the way they're going to do it. It's going to really, I think it's going to play the same way it did last year where the Bucks, if they can take advantage in pretty much all of the, you know, extra categories, uh, forcing turnovers, rebounds, um, transition, like they're, they're going to beat the Nets in that pretty much every single night. And that's how they're going to win this series. It's the, the uglier it gets, the better, I think, for them. I think uh, I think the key for the Nets playing bigger is probably going to be Andre Drummond realistically because we've seen in the past like Andre is like he's he's not giving Giannis like a ton of trouble but he's played him well he's like the I'd, in my opinion he's the most capable Giannis defender on the Nets roster and that's mm-hmm. like he's not bad he's he can still move fast he you gather rebounds he, he's big too so that helps so what do you, what do you think do you think Andre do you think Andre is going to be the key there yeah, I, 100%. I think that's their guy. And then I would say probably Blake after that. Claxton just has gotten like... Does Blake exist? I, do, I don't know. <laughs> and I, I like, by the way, I don't agree with it just being like, hey, we're going to dust off Blake after not playing for, you know, two months and being like, hey, we're just going to throw you into this series. I, I, I don't I don't understand, um, you know, how they've handled Blake, which like, I think there's like a, a subset of uh, Nets Twitter where it's like Blake is this like idealized version where it's like, all right, let's temper our expectations a little bit, but I do agree with the idea that he should be playing. Um, so I guess that would be their backup. Claxton just, uh, it's, I don't think it's a good matchup for him. Um, he, not only he gets weight roomed by Giannis, but he also like, he got weight roomed a couple of times by Drew. Like it just, I just don't think it's a great matchup for him. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably what you're looking at. And, and Drummond will be good. Um, you know, uh, the conditioning always worries me a little bit with him. Um, you know, especially with the way the Nets switch, they'll have him switch out onto a guard. And then it's like he, you know, the Nets are sitting there like, Hey, Andre, we need you to go grab the defensive board. And he's like, I'm I don't want to do that, man. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know how big he is. What is he? 200. I, I don't even know. 270 or something, something, something like big. that. I'm not good with weight. So I, that could be completely wrong, but um, yeah, he's, he's a big dude to be running around switching and then trying to fly in for boards. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's limitations to playing him as much as they're probably going to need to. Um, but you know, that's, that's probably the reality of where they're at. Okay. Uh, last second to last question here, who wins this series if they do end up playing? I think bucks and six. Um, I just don't like this matchup for the Nets at all. And I just, I, I know there are Nets fans that are feeling optimistic about it. 
that are saying, well, we, we, you know, we had this big advantage 2-0 advantage at the beginning of the series and KD almost won the series. And like, I hear you, I get it. Uh, Bucks are in a very different place than they were last year where the Bucks were kind of just beating themselves in large part for, especially the early I had portion of that mental breakdown. Yeah. Just like, just bad. And like the Bucks now, like you, I mean, you watch Giannis play and it's like, Oh, like this is that leap. Like this is the leap that you saw, you know, so I don't like LeBron make where it's like this guy won and now he's being like, Oh, I'm, I'm this guy. Like, this is what I can be. And I just think like you watch them play and that, that game that happened the other week, it was like the nets were shot something 48% from three in that game. And the bucks just didn't seem mentally bothered at all. They're like this, that's fine. Like you guys are going to cool down and we're going to make our run at the very end. Giannis like took the ball full court and, and just like ran into three people and drew a foul on Claxton. Like that's, that's the way the bucks are going to play. And I think because they have such a designed game plan where they're going to just, they're going to, you know, muck it up kind of in a way um, because they have that. And that's something they can do against the nets. And they even, you know, that's the identity that they frankly found at the end of that second round series last year. I think because they can tap into that and they can channel that game after game after game. I just think that's more sustainable than how the nets are going to have to win. Yeah. I think, I think the nets, it's just going to be like, can we can we just run them off the run run them off the court, just like pure offensive firepower? Yep. And then the Bucks are going to be like, okay, if they can get out of their own way, which is what scares me. It's are they going to have some like PTSD and just absolutely go back into their old selves? Because that's what we saw in like that most recent matchup. I was losing my mind again because I was like, they're they're doing the same things over and over again in the first first half of that game and I was like oh my god they're gonna do it again I don't I do not want to see this in the postseason again uh but uh I I do think the Bucks win the series I think it'll probably be six or seven I think they make it closer than it probably needs to be uh but especially because the Nets have that fellow named Kevin Durant on their team he, they're always gonna have a chance like basketball it's, yep. there's a lot of nuance there's a lot of things you can analyze but it's also simple in some respects in the sense that if you have one of the most talented players of all time you have a chance Yep. Yeah. No, it's uh, it, it'll be, I mean, you know, yeah, the KD factor is huge. I think you'll, you'll Bucks fans will notice this, like the Nets are a little clunkier this year offensively. Like they just have weird record scratch moments where the synergy just doesn't fully guys appear out of position, there. Guys out of place. Yeah. I mean, the spacing's bad, but it's even just like possessions where it's Kyrie and KD, like let's say, you know, KD, you know, screens, well, Kyrie screens for KD, like that action should be really potent and it's not always, potent just the synergy between those two can kind of feel off it's a little my turn your turn so you know we'll see if the nets can sort that out but i think bucks fans will notice that like for as good as this team this nets team is offensively and for the way that they're trying to win where they're really just going to try to blow you out with offense i do think there are going to be those moments where you're like hmm that looks kind of odd like that's a weird possession for them they've had a lot of those recently yeah okay last question here where can the people find your work uh follow me matt brooks nba on twitter uh, I'm Matt Brooks MBA on YouTube and then, uh, yeah, subscribe to the clear out podcast, Brooklyn Nets podcast, uh, with blue wire, um, all, all, all on my Twitter though. Like it's, I'm good about posting my stuff. So if that's a whole bunch of information that I just threw at you, just follow me on Twitter, Matt Brooks MBA, everything's there. Perfect. Sounds good. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the analysis. We might Appreciate be talking it. to you again real soon. <laughs> and I uh, hope yeah. so. 
I hope so. I need that series. Like I need water, man. It was so good last year. I just, I want it again, man. <laughs> it'll, it'll be good. It'll be uh it'll definitely be the best for one of the best first round series uh, in recent history. In in, yeah. In, in a while, uh, gotta be up there. I mean, yeah, that's, that's gotta be up there for sure. So I'm, I'm excited for it. For sure. Thank you again. And make sure you check out Matt's work. All right. Now talking Bucks Celtics with Tom Westerholm of the Geno Time podcast covering the uh, Celtics as well as other Boston teams. Tom, how's it going? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm good. I didn't I didn't clear it first. Did I nail the last name? Is it as it looks? Yeah, it's just as it looks. I okay. think it's I think it's Swedish for uh, it's actually it's really powerful. It's uh, Swedish for West of Home. Oh, okay. Uh, there you so, go. You know. <laughs> I mean, you are west of Sweden right now, so I guess yeah, you know. uh, I guess they were they were right on with that one. Um, <laughs> so moving on to to Boston and the Bucks, I want to start here. If you could just kind of give me, you know, the the abridged summary of the Celtics season. You know, I think pretty obviously a team that had a dramatic turnaround after the first month or two. But how would you kind of sum up where Boston is at heading into the playoffs? Yeah, so I mean, obviously the the Celtics season has been an odd one. They, uh, uh, you know, they start they started just abysmally. Um, they looked exactly like last year's team, which was just awful. Which was which is funny because a lot of the pieces from last year's team that were awful were elsewhere, right? Like Tristan Thompson was gone. You thought that they would be up just fine, but uh, um, they they kind of looked like the same team. And about halfway through the year, they they got all healthy. They got everybody back in the lineup and. They all claim that that was the turnaround, that the, the the big thing, all they needed was to get healthy and that after that, you know, everything's all set. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how much I believe that, uh, but, it, you know, it just like it, it, it lines up from a, you know, from a narrative perspective. And yeah, since then, they've been, I think, if not the best team, then the best non-Suns team in the NBA. Like they've been um, just obliterating everybody. It's it's hilarious to look at their crunch time stats because they haven't changed since the start of the season because the Celtics don't play crunch time anymore. They just beat the hell out of everybody and kind of move on with their lives. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a very weird season. There's, I think there are plenty of unanswered questions about the Celtics heading into the playoffs, like when there are actual crunch times, are they still going to be this good? You know, I, I don't think they're going to beat everybody in the playoffs by 25 points. But, I mean, they're – they're really, really good. Jason Tatum cementing himself as a top 10, top whatever you want to call him player in the NBA. Jalen Brown looks awesome. Their defense is nasty. Um, they're going to be a lot of fun. They're going to make a lot of noise in the playoffs, I think. Yeah, they certainly are. I think, you know, it's so funny how the playoff picture has kind of shifted for the East as as the year has gone on. And I think the Celtics certainly emerged as probably not a favorite or the favorite at least, but certainly very much up there on the list of Nobody wants to see this team early teams. And that's that's not bad. And I think unlike the Raptors, who I think are also there, with the Suns, I think there's more of an expectation that they could realistically beat anyone. Whereas the Raptors, I think, would have a shot against any team, but I, I don't think they're quite on that same level just now. I think, you know, the the Suns, uh, excuse me, the Celtics and the Bucks won't play round one, which may mean that there's more shot for Time Lord, Robert Williams, to emerge in a Bucks celtics series. Um, you know, before we get to talking about those those are the matchups specifically, what do you think the timeline is for Robert Williams as we record, you know, with the, the uh, game still to go for the Celtics, but uh, on Sunday here, but obviously he's not going to play in that game, probably yeah. not in the first round. But what have you been hearing about Time Lord? Yeah, so the general timeline is that if 
you know, it, it, like if he does play in the first round, it's actually bad news for the Celtics because it means their first round series has gone longer than they wanted it to. Sure. So like if you if you look at the timelines, it you know, he could like there's a, a, a world in which he plays in game six or game seven or, or something like that. But again, if you're the Celtics. You're really hoping it doesn't get to that point. So I think obviously the hope for the Celtics is that he comes back, start of the second round. They are able to, you know, work their way through these teams without him. And, you know, frankly, they should be able to, um, you know, they're like, obviously, you know, you never know if, if they end up playing Brooklyn in the first round or whatever it might be, then maybe it, yeah, maybe it is a tougher first round series, but they have a great defense. I mean, Al Horford is, is really, really good. Um, so even without Rob, um, they should be okay. But yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, if, if there is a second round series, that's when you start being like, okay, it sounds like, you know, he got his meniscus trimmed um, and it was not a very serious meniscus issue, um, not a very bad tear from the sound of things. It was it, the Celtics keep characterizing it as kind of a best case scenario in terms of, you know, a meniscus tear. So that's the good news. Um, and it does sound like, yeah, if the, assuming they get through the first round, he should be, you know, around for, if not the first game, then soon after in the second round. You certainly hope so. I mean, if 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 yeah. the Celtics are going to win or lose, I mean, I, I just everyone at full strength for this playoffs would be awesome, uh, and very yeah. much unlike last playoffs. So hopefully, we get a, a healthier run from every team. But so mo- shifting gears to Bucks Celtics. I mean, we've seen these teams have some weird games this season. Not a lot of fully healthy games between yeah. uh, the two teams. But if they are matching up in the second round, it'd probably be the second round. Um, it seems like they're poised to be the two and the three right about now. What matchups do you think would dictate how that series goes? I mean, it's it's tempting to start with Giannis, but I mean, when you look around and and both of these rosters, you know, what could be the the swinging point on a potential positional matchup? Uh, well, I, I think it, it is fair to start with Giannis, right, and to say like him versus Horford, um, just because those guys have always had major battles, and I. I'll be honest, coming into the season, I thought Horford was washed. I thought that there was like, you know, that bringing him on was kind of a nostalgia thing, like get rid of Kemba, you know, get that contract off your books. It has not been that. Al Horford has been a huge contributor on the Celtics again. And I I think that him versus Giannis would be really fun. Giannis is obviously better than the last time the Celtics and Bucks played with Al Horford and, you know, in the mix. And, uh, you know, the Celtics are also better because um, the last time they matched up was the time that Kyrie decided to take it on himself to guard Giannis in the playoffs, which was still one of the wilder things I've ever seen. Um, so I, I think that's that's the number one for me, obviously. Um, you know, and then I think after that, you know, I don't know that the Bucks have much in the way of an answer for Jason Tatum. So I'm yeah. curious how they, you know, how, how they start to uh, uh, approach that. And then I, I think just, you know, the holiday versus whichever Celtics guard uh, matches up against him and, and how that plays out. I mean, he's been he's been so good this year. Like, I'm fascinated to see how that plays out. But the Celtics guards, you know, they've gotten they got bigger at the trade deadline by going and getting Derek White. Um, they got tougher defensively. Like they just they don't have the Celtics do not have any defensive holes anymore. And Milwaukee has a bunch of guys, um, you know, who are really talented. Giannis is himself. Chris Middleton is Michael Jordan whenever he faces the Celtics like. <laughs> There's some, you know, there, there's some real, uh, you know, like kind of a, the, what is it? The immovable object versus the unstoppable force. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. 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 There's, yeah. there's kind of, there's, there might be some of that going on with Giannis and Chris Middleton being the unstoppable forces and then the Celtics being the immovable rock. I'm, I, I really hope we get that second round matchup. I think that would be a lot of fun for that reason. It seems like it is poised to be a pretty mm-hmm. tight series. You know, I, I think for matchups wise, it wouldn't shock me, by the way, if, we see Drew on Tatum to start and maybe Wesley mm. Matthews on Jalen Brown. I, I don't think that would surprise me very much at all. 
It'll be interesting to me to see, really, I think Chris Middleton, who you mentioned has been such a Celtics killer, really has had an up-and-down season. Like, I think clearly yeah. Drew has been better this year despite who got All-Star and who didn't. And, of course, the Bucks are going to need all three of their their top three guys to be really good no matter what. But I think, you know, if Chris can have a really strong two-way series, and the, I don't think the Bucks will use, you know, it won't be Drew on Tatum for a whole series. They like to throw waves at, at star players. Like, how good can Chris be when he's taking a Tatum shift, a Jalen Brown shift, defensively while still being a plus on offense? I think that's a huge swing piece for the Bucs just because you know Giannis is probably going to get his one way or another, even against what's been the best defense in the NBA. Even if Time Lord is back on that back line, he's Giannis, man. There's just no stopping (laughs) him. We we, we see games for the Bucs come down to, you know, how present are the other guys, right? Is Chris at 25 or is he at – 18 on 15 shots. So I think Chris, Chris's series is going to be really big. And also if the Celtics throw lone bigs in lineups at Giannis, how much impact can Brooke Lopez have, you know, posting up, doing whatever else. So I think those two I'm going to look at specifically. And also like, actually, I think this, I was going to say a player's name. Let's see if you figure out who I was going to talk about. Next question is who do you see as a potential Bucks killer on the roster? I think this guy was a Bucks killer in the last game. I, I just I think all Bucks fans are worried that his nine three point attempts games will have the most makes against the Bucks. Uh smart? Yeah. Did he did, yeah. did he make nine? Okay, yeah, yeah. I think he made yeah. seven. I think he made seven okay. or so in the last <laughs> game, but you know, it's one of those where I think Bucks fans joke like, oh, it's great if Marcus Smart takes nine threes, like unless it's against the Bucks when he's probably like eight of nine or something. <laughs> well, I mean, I will say that Bucks fans are hundred percent right that in general, the Celtics' best games are the ones where Smart takes three shots and has 11 assists. I mean, he's this season he's had a lot of those games where he has just been a super, you know, distributing point guard, an absolute killer defensively, and um, you know, but he he barely takes any shots. That's crucial for the Celtics because every you know every 32 percent three pointer that he takes is a possession where the Celtics aren't usually anyway, where the Celtics aren't running a pick and roll for Tatum, forcing the switch or forcing the trap, which Tatum has been passing out of like, you know, LeBron James over the last like few weeks. Like he's, it's, um, you know, his passing has taken such a, such a huge step that like you want the ball in his hands. You do not want that possession to end with a Marcus Smart three in general. I mean, often, you know, what does happen is that defenses break down and then the ball swings around and it's like somebody's getting an in rhythm three. Maybe that guy's Marcus. So in general, though, I think Bucks fans are 100% correct. If you get, you know, and, and I think, you know, whether there's magic for Smart against the Bucks or not, uh, he is uh, he, he's the guy that you want shooting the most if you're a, if you're a Bucks fan watching the Celtics. So is it is it just is Tatum the Bucks killer then? Is that too obvious? Or I think it Tatum might be everybody might be killer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like he's uh, that that's been the that's been the I think the cool thing for the Celtics this season is that Tatum has just morphed into this like MVP candidate, right? Like, you know, I think you look ahead at the next two, three years, you assume Giannis will be in the conversation every year. You assume Jokic will be in the conversation every year, Embiid. And I think Tatum is on the verge of, I think he's there. I think if he has a full season like this one, he is an MVP candidate too. Um, And, you know, that's, I I think that's going to be the really interesting thing about these playoffs is we get our first chance to see what MVP Tatum in the postseason looks like, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, the whole Celtics offense revolves around Tatum and then also Jalen, um, you know, drawing these double teams, moving the ball around. 
they play team basketball now. Like it's just crisp pass, 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 pass basketball. Um, and that all starts with Jason Tatum. So, you know, there'll probably be guys who get hot. There'll probably be guys who, you know, have a good night here or there. Um, but in general, you know, it's, you, you, you guys get it. You guys watch Giannis every night, right? Like yeah, it's, yeah. Um, everything revolves around that one superstar. And yeah, if other guys get hot, great. But uh, it's, it's the one engine kind of driving everything. Totally. So it kind of segues nicely into my next question for you here, which is, you know, how is this team geared to attack Milwaukee? And I think now the Bucks are a lot different now than some of the earlier games in the season. Now that Brooke is back, they're going back to dropping more. We'll see how much they can do that against Tatum in some of these pick and rolls. For sure, it's it's not easy, especially if Time Lord is back and healthy and catching lobs over the back if, if Brooke is up too far to contest the jumper. But you know, I remember Bobby Portis, probably his worst game of the season might have been earlier against Boston when yeah. they're all switching and Tatum just gets him over and over and over. And it's just, I mean, I love Bobby Portis, but he's getting full aid by Jason Tatum. So how do you see the Celtics attacking Milwaukee? Is it, you know, that just high pick and roll and either getting the switch and letting him cook or taking advantage of the drop scheme, either giving him or the big too much room? Yeah, I think it'll be a combination of those things. I mean, the fact that the Bucks give up so many threes is, you know, it's. I'll, I'll be interested to see how that plays against the Celtics because they do have some games where they just go icy, icy cold. Like that does happen every once in a while. Um, and you know, you get one of those in an early, in you know, early in the series, it can completely swing things, right? Um, you know, that's how you end up like maybe one one instead of two zero, or you know, o two instead of you know one one. Like th- those things can happen. So, right. um, yeah. So I, I think. You'll see a ton of pick and roll. You'll see, um, you know, a ton of a ton of trying to force those switches and a ton of ball moving around to the perimeter. I, I mean, you know, I know the Bucks are pretty steadfast in in trying, you know, not to give up buckets around the, you know, buckets around the rim. But I mean, I am curious, like, do, do, do they ever come out of that if a team is hitting threes? Because the Celtics are gonna be happy to chuck up threes. They got a lot of guys who can do it. Grant Williams has come on as one of the best three point shooters in the NBA from the corners this season. You know, they got. They have guys who can shoot. Peyton Pritchard's been hitting ever since the Dennis Schroeder trade. I mean, like, like, will they be comfortable just kind of letting the the Celtics chuck them up, or are they going to kind of come out of that, do you think? I think they're going to come out of it uh, in specific games. And one trend that we noticed, obviously, you know, the the Detroit game, they just kind of rolled Detroit. They're not playing anyone today against Cleveland. But the, the Celtics game and, and the last couple of games before that, Notice Brooke Lopez not playing a ton in the second half of some of those games, despite having quite the impact. I mean, his offense has really come alive for the first time since he's got healthy this year. And I think that's because they're going to more switching, more hedging and trying to take away some threes. And I think especially against Boston, it wouldn't surprise me to see that, even though I think, you know, Brooke is lined up to to do some work against Boston. I think he's going to have important moments in that series. It wouldn't surprise me if we see him play a little bit less against the Celtics because this is a team, it seems like, I, I don't know. I mean, they, it's not that they don't get to the rim, but it's it's certainly a, a team that's going to shoot a lot of jumpers. And I sure. could see Brooks' role being a little less important in some of these games and whether it's Bobby Portis or if he's having trouble. Um, and, you know, I think they've gotten better at scram switches and not just and, – and really – and not they, – they used to switch too easily. I think especially in that, that game I'm talking about with Tatum earlier – like they just gave the switch every time. I think they've gotten better at, at fighting to not leave him on an island as much. But I think certainly we could see the Bucks go a little bit smaller in this series. Giannis at the five. And that's why, you know, it's nice for the Bucks that they found Wesley Matthews. 
the contributions he's been able to give them. We'll see how healthy George Hill is. That could be big, but those are like their switchable options and, and more Pat Connaughton too. It wouldn't surprise me if, if to see more of that later in some games in this series, even though everyone loves Brooke, Brooke is really important. You know, maybe stop, maybe the rim isn't the most important spot against every team in every situation. Yeah. I mean, that'll be interesting because I think, you know, if, if Brooke gets dragged out at all, um, you know, that's, and, and Rob is back. That's one of the ways that the Celtics just like annihilate teams is yeah. They like, they, you know, they get all these switches, they get all this passing. And so they, they get all, all these threes and eventually the defense just, you know, kind of starts to wear out. And as soon as you do, you know, the big isn't dropped back far enough. And all of a sudden it's lob to Rob, lob to Rob, lob to Rob. Cause like, um, I don't know if Draymond Green had Jason Tatum on his podcast recently, and he was pointing out it's not even on the pick and roll that you can be even with the big in the role. You have to be behind him at all times or else Rob is going to dunk on your head and he might dunk on your head anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's that I think will be crucial for the Bucks. is like, you know, yeah, you might like you might give up some some buckets around the paint. You're like, yeah, Rob might get. 10 points on five shots. Like he does that, but you know, it's going to be the threes. It's going to be just kind of the ball movement and trying to contain that figuring out a way to not let Tatum just annihilate you in the pick and roll. Those I think are going to be the ways that the bucks can, um, you know, maybe try to slow down the Celtics as opposed to, yeah, like the packing it around the paint and, and kind of daring the threes. Yeah. I think we've seen that with teams before where the bucks will really lean into picking their poison, right. And saying, mm-hmm. Hey, Maybe mm-hmm. Time Lord scores 12 on perfect six for six. We're going to make it really hard for Tatum to get to his 30 on whatever shooting or Jalen or whoever it is. Yeah, so that, that would not surprise me. Um, so on the other side, I mean, you mentioned Horford doing great work and, and hopefully Time Lord in the back line. But, you know, got to talk again about Giannis, who obviously is is everything else matters for the Bucks too, but nothing matters, you know, without without Giannis down low. So what do you think Boston's game plan is going to be to try and slow down Giannis in a playoff series? Yeah, I mean, uh, if I if I knew the answer, I'd probably be getting paid a lot more than I am. <laughs> but I do think that, you know, Horford, Horford is, is I, mean, I think that's going to be plan A and might be plan B, right? Like it might be, uh, um, you know, maybe if everything else breaks down, you start, um, you know, trying to throw smart at him every once in a while, you know, just because, um, you know, I mean, obviously – Giannis is so good when he gets ahead of steam smart is pretty good every once in a while I kind of slide in front of somebody who's got ahead of steam like he's really yeah Yeah. and actually Derek White too Derek White's almost leading the NBA and charges taken this year so um, both those guys you know especially smart is willing to kind of stand in front of a freight train sometimes I do think um, in general though it's you know like they've they've used Grant Williams at times Grant the interesting thing about Grant is that usually in the first quarter of a game um, against like a star player like that, he'll get dunked on a couple of times or he'll like, you know, kind of get tossed out of the way. But he does kind of figure out how to kind of really get down low. And he's a strong dude. So, you know, he can be troublesome for guys sometimes. He, he gave Embiid a couple of, you know, some problems every once in a while. He gave Jokic um, some problems this season. So he is he's a really, really strong dude. And uh, that can obviously help some against Giannis. I, you know, it's the, the the problem with Giannis and the is the same problem with Tatum is the same problem with any of these super duper stars. It's just like, you know, yeah, like they're they're going to do great things. And that's you know, that's why we all love watching them so much. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure the Celtics will have, you know, will put a lot of responsibility on Horford. And beyond that, I mean, if if he's if he's crushing Al Horford. I don't you know, yeah, it gets, I don't know. It's it tough. Like, it tough. Yeah. <laughs> 
stuff. Yeah. I noticed you didn't talk about Time Lord, and I, I, I assume that's not just you know wanting to kind of protect him off injury. Is this kind of like a Miami Heat situation where they have the great defensive backline guy like Bam for Miami, Time Lord for for Boston? I know Miami likes to keep that guy on the back line, right? Like they prefer to guard Giannis with more of a wing or someone else and then always have that strong help defender. Do you see that as being Boston's plan too? Yeah, so the Celtics do that with with uh, with Rob. The other thing they do with him is it, he he can come out and kind of switch. Too. Sure. So, so you know, if, if there are guys who are like, you know, sometimes he'll drop, sometimes he'll, um, you know, kind of hedge. He's he does actually a lot better than he used to. He used to be a just an abysmal pick and roll defender. He's gotten so much better. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you're looking at him as kind of a drop guy, as kind of that help side guy, and as a pick and roll guy. But as far as Giannis goes, I mean, that's that would be a really tough matchup for him. He just doesn't yeah. kind of he doesn't move the same way Giannis moves, you know. Um, so yeah, I would not expect a lot of rob on him. I mean, and you said setting aside injury stuff. I think not setting aside injury stuff. Yeah, I think that's point. part of it too. Like Giannis good is a very physical dude and like, you know, um, and, and like, yeah, if Rob's coming off a meniscus tear, like you're hoping that you're, if you're the Celtics, you're hoping you beat the Bucks, and you're hoping there's another series after that where you also will need Rob. So yeah, I think all of that's going to play into it. I would not expect to see much Rob on Giannis, but you know, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm email is smarter than me. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, sometimes you need all the options you can get for, for guys right. like that too. Um, so that last question Simple one. Well, maybe. Who wins the series? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's a simple one. Um, I mean, look, it's, it's I, the shortest one I've asked. The shortest one, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The simplest one for you to ask. I understand. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, look, I, I think I, I would probably pick the Celtics if Rob is healthy. Um, mm. You know, and it's uh, like, I, I, to be honest with you, I would pick this as the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, yeah. I, I don't. I don't have much faith in Philly. Um, the Heat are tough, un- unquestionably, but I think these are the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, I think, you know, the Celtics have been the best team um, in, I think, the East for the last few months. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of repeatable stuff in what they do, right? Like their defense is awesome. Um, their their offense has been the best offense in the NBA for the last like month or so. Um, they, they feel like a team that's really coming on at the right time. Now, you know, I'm certainly not willing to guarantee anything because yeah. of Giannis and Middleton, but I do think that like the, the repeatability of of the Celtics defense combined with what Tatum is doing and how what he is doing has influenced everybody else on the team to me feels like a potential championship team or at least a team that gets through the Eastern Conference. Um, I don't know. What do you what do you think? You know, I, I agree in that I think Boston is right up there uh, with the Bucks this season. I think the Bucks win. Um, okay. I, I've come to a point where, and this is true for like close games, for series, for entire playoff runs, I just won't bet against Giannis. Like if things are relatively That's close. <laughs> yeah, like I've just seen him do so much stuff yeah. that just shouldn't be possible at all. So I'm just going to say that he figures it out. He figures out Horford or Smart or whatever else he needs to. They do just enough. And, and I have enough trust in, you know, the per, the periphery guys, right? Um, Chris and Drew, to, to an extent, are the first guys you mentioned. But, you know, I think this Bucks team is deeper than last year's team where they had to play sure. Teague and stuff. So, um, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm going to favor them in every series, even if teams like the Celtics, the Suns, that really I think have shown more this season – uh, and have really just been like these well-oiled machines. Certainly a scary proposition to go up against, but I'm still going to take the Bucks. So we're both, I think we're both doing the right move and saying, hey, you know what? Team, we're sitting here, we're watching all year. We know what they right. can do. We're taking them. <laughs> that makes sense. I won't begrudge anyone for doing that. 
Well, I think, and I think we're both doing the same thing where it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to begrudge you for picking right, Giannis. So for and sure. I don't think you're going to begrudge me for picking Tatum and the Celtics. So it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. man. I'm, yeah. 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 I get that. We're a pretty good team. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. Um, well, that's, uh, that's awesome, Tom. If, unless there's any other last notes you have, that's all I had. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk Boston, Milwaukee with me. Yeah, man. I, I hope it happens, man. I want to, yeah. I want to see that series. That's, that is the Eastern Conference series that I want to see. I, I, I really I, – it looks like we're on our way to it. So Yeah, yeah I mean one of, one of these two teams probably has to beat the Nets maybe. We'll see what happens. Maybe maybe, yep. maybe they have to go through Miami. But, uh, you know, I, I do think as scary as KD to a lesser extent Kyrie is, I would favor either of these teams to beat Brooklyn and meet. So hopefully it happens. I, I agree with you. It will be fun. Although, you know, anyone like myself maybe who is cheering for an easier Bucks path, probably not getting it. But, hey, that's okay. you got to beat great teams to win a championship. Exactly. Awesome. Thanks again, Tom. Appreciate it, man. Of course, man. Appreciate you having me. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, and now we are here with one of the best in the business, uh, Jackson Frank, here to talk to us about Box Sixers. First of all, Jackson, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm I'm ready for the playoffs. I feel like I, you know, I feel similarly to probably all these players, much less physically tacked, but I'm ready for something new. So I'm excited to to talk about some playoff series. We're, the pre, the playoff previews are here, so I'm I'm ready to dive in and uh, talk some Sixers, Bucks, and and whatnot. Okay, so first off, let's just get a little primer on what the Sixers team has been doing this season. Just just give the people in case they don't know what's been happening. What's a quick summary of this Sixers season uh, so far? Yeah, obviously they played, you know, played with the first, you know, through the All-Star break without Ben Simmons. He was holding out for a number of reasons. Somebody said mental health. Other, other was, uh, earlier was said he just wanted to get a trade. 
Um, and they were pretty good through the All-Star break. Uh, Embiid you know, was playing at MVP level, as he continued to do after the, afterward. Uh, they acquired James Harden midway through the year. Um, he started playing right after the All-Star break. Um, they were great out of the gates, three blowout wins. Um, he was very good. Since then, he's been a little more inconsistent. Um, still had some really, really great games since, but hasn't been as smooth sailing. Um, they've had flashes of, of great play on both sides, some great defensive games, some great offensive games. Um, I think back to the, the one right before the All-Star break when they beat the Bucs. Um, they were great in that off. They were great offensively. They've had some really good games against the Heat defensively and the Bulls. Um, but they haven't really put it all together. I think they're ninth or 10th in defense this year and 13th or 14th in offense. Um, so a lot of inconsistency. Haven't been able to rely on anyone besides MB consistently beyond maybe George Niang off the bench and Tyrese Maxey for the most part. Um and that's that's kind of where they are. They've they have some really nice wins. They've beaten the Grizzlies, the Warriors, the Bucks, the Nets. They've got some bad losses. They they lost the Pistons last week. They've lost a couple of times to the Raptors without Fred Fleet and OG Ananobi. Um, so really, just inconsistency is kind of the theme for them, and they've been able to kind of work through that because Joel Embiid's put together an MVP MVP caliber year, and here they are, you know, on the cusp of a 50th win. Um, you know, depending if they split, at least they're their weekend series against the, the Pistons and the, and the Pacers. Quick aside, do you, who, who, who do you have as MVP so far? Right now, I, I think I was asked a couple of days ago, I have Jokic and then Giannis and then Embiid, but I really have no issue with, with any order. I think the whole narrative, the whole discussions have been a little exhausting, so I've seen it out of it, but they're all having great years, and it's really fun because they're all different players. It's not like it's three scoring guards or three-point forwards, but – um, that's the way I would go, but I've, I really kind of flip-flopped it. You know, I could, you could have said Embiid a month ago, but I just, I kind of lean Jokic just given what he's done with, you know, the offense and the defensive improvements and how he's buoyed a team that's been without a second and third best players. But Giannis has also been great. I think in, in, inconsistency would be a fair label for a lot of the Bucks this year. So I think what he's done, you know, and the growth he's, he's showed, uh, offensively, especially has been really cool, but you really can't go wrong. And, uh, it'll be cool to kind of see what what happens when that's announced in the next month or two. I think that's a good way to go about it. Just enjoy it. Enjoy basketball. It's not that yeah. difficult. You don't have to make everything <laughs> into an insane argument. You don't have exactly. to disparage other players. You can enjoy greatness. And all three players are putting up historically dominant seasons. This Absolutely. is good for the league. It's good for basketball. Just yeah. enjoy it. I think that's. I think that should be the main takeaway. But getting to a potential Buck Sixers series in the postseason, that's what we're here. That's what we're here to talk about. Let's say these two teams face each other. What matchups do you think are going to dictate that series? Yeah, so I think the the mat and I kind of went in a, in a different route. I think how the Bucks handle the Harden and Embiid pick and roll is really going to determine things. You'd imagine they throw Drew in the at least in the the guts of the game uh, on Harden like they did last week, um, and he had some good success. Um, but that's kind of been their bread and butter in terms of maximizing them together. MB can do what he does on his own really well, but Harden's longstanding kind of uh, aversion to catch and shoot threes, it kind of makes him a tough release valve, you know, on those on those Embiid post post kickouts and whatnot. Um, but that Harden pick and roll has been really good, you know, for most of the year. Uh, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say most most of their tenure together. Excuse me, two two months, roughly a month and a half. Um, but you saw early in that Bucks game when, you know, when they had Giannis on Matisse and Giannis is that roamer and he's making things so tough for, for Joel in the role and, and, and Harden's a passer, um, what that can do. But then they take Giannis off of Matisse and things open up a little bit and, and Joel has more room to maybe work as a face-up guy or as a roller. So I think if that's something that the Sixers could consistently tap into and really kind of find success with offensively, 
they would be in a good spot. Um, but if if the if Drew does his thing at the point of attack and navigating the screens and Giannis is, you know, whether he's in, in drop or he's trapping or he's playing the Roma role or Brooke is in, in drop, and I think Brooke's been really impressive defensively since he came back. Um, if they're giving him issues, then then you run you run their problems because you can always just go to Embiid in the post and or in the face up stuff and trust that he'll make something happen. But if you're trying to maximize this star duo, that's the best path. And so if that's if that action's neutralized, they're in a tough spot. It's a lot of you know a little bit my turn, your turn stuff. And usually it's going to be Embiid's turn because he's just a better self creator than than Harden is at this stage right now. Yeah, going back to that recent game, I, we saw a lot of Wes Matthews on James Harden in the early in the early stages of the game. You mentioned uh, during the guts of the game, it's going to be Drew Holiday because you know that their best perimeter defender. So uh, we saw. I was really looking forward to seeing that matchup just to see how Wes Matthews sort of navigates that because he's like on this Bucks roster currently, he's like the innings eater defensively. He's been a guy matched up on KD. He's been matched up on James Harden. Uh, so we saw in that recent matchup, you just see a lot of Wes Matthews, just like trying his best to give James different coverages, sort of like, I said, there was one possession where he just like quickly darted under a screen because he knew that Harden wasn't going to pull up and Harden was like, Oh, I dare, I dare you to try this again. Let's try doing this again. (laughs) And then they just completely shifted coverages mid play. Uh, so it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting because like you mentioned, that's going to be the thing that dictates any series with the Sixers because those two players are so dominant, just a- any actions involving those two are just going to be super, super crucial for the Bucks or any other team facing the Sixers to really match up against. But, uh, if you're, if we're talking about attacking the Bucks from a Sixers perspective, which player on the Sixers roster is really most geared to get the newest title of Bucks killer? Yeah, I think that's it's it's interesting. Um, I think for me, it has to be Maxi. Um, he has been so good the last. I mean, all year. I mean, basically, all year has been awesome. But especially since the Harden trade, um, wasn't great against the Bucks. Had a nice little flurry at one point, but I don't think he was great overall. But he's been. He had eight threes against the Pacers the other day. He had twenty two against the Raptors. Um, he's had he had an explosion against the Heat, against the Cavs, um, and you know, as good as the Bucks defense can be. I do kind of like, I don't think they have that kind of speed to, to, to kind of slow Maxi, whether it's um, attacking off the catch or working up dribble handoff. And, you know, a guy goes under and he steps into that, that kind of that step back three that he's been so good at this year. I think that's, that's the guy for them. I think, you know, Harden's going to do what he can do. And even though he's been inconsistent as a scorer, he's still been awesome, awesome, awesome as a passer with the Sixers. Um, setting up Maxi for the last F and beat, obviously can kind of tilt the defense and let Maxi do his thing in the gaps. In the gap. So that for me, I think it's Maxi. Um, Tobias, I, I mean, Tobias is, feels more a little, a little more fickle in terms of just is a three ball going down. He's been a lot more willing to take those threes uh, the last month or so, and that's been important. But um, I worry about him kind of trying to attack the length the Bucks will have in a you know closing lineup with Giannis and Brooke and and whatnot, and kind of the way that maybe Drew or West could bother him when he attacks with you know a stunt or with those digs. And so for me, it's Maxi. I just think that's that's the guy for them, and he's been just so good. And, you know, there's, but there's obviously a big difference between being a really good second or third option in the regular season and being that in the second or third round of the playoffs. I think. And so um, it's going to be huge for him. He got some experience last year, but um, I think he's that guy. Just, I mean, just no one can really contain that speed. And the fact that he's shooting, I think 43 and a half percent from three this year as well. Uh, I mean, it kind of seems like he's more comfortable or he's, he's comfortable with even more kind of types of shots from deep than maybe he was even, three months ago, it makes it really tough to stop. So that's the guy for me. And I don't think he's kind of the litmus test for the Sixers, but 
I think you could see if they if they face Milwaukee in a series or someone else really good that you could kind of be, I guess, the X factor, which is cliche, but it's true. I think Harden's kind of the the litmus test for them. He they kind of go as he goes because you know what you're going to get from Embiid. He's just going to be sensational basically all the time. But uh, Max is the guy that kind of you could kind of feel like it's it's tough to have it's tough to have the perimeter defense to contain both Harden and Max. Yeah, you know, Harden you know can be a little more fickle based on the shot making, but um, you got to be really well equipped to contain both of them. And I think obviously you're going to prioritize Harden more and rightfully so, but Maxi can really give you issues if the jumper's falling and he's hitting those scoop layups and floaters and whatnot. So I think he would kind of be the the guy that you wonder if the release foul that he is could really kind of give Milwaukee some problems. Yeah, Tyrese Maxey's the reason why I thought after this uh, the Harden trade that the Sixers had the second highest ceiling in the East, hands down, because not only do you have two absolute dominant players in Joel Embiid and James Harden, but your third option is a guy who's just been coming into his own all year in Tyrese Maxey. And like you said, if he's the escape valve, that is a very, very good escape valve to have given that the season that he has had with the Sixers. Uh, it's It'll be interesting to see how the Bucks defend him uh, in that matchup we saw uh, last week, whenever it was. We saw Drew start on him. Then we saw Chris sort of uh, wander over his way when Drew started to take uh, bigger assignments. Uh It'll be interesting to see if they if the Sixers use him more as like a guy off motion. That'll be interesting because Chris has sort of been that guy to really stay with guys who are just going to be running around the floor a lot, which is which is very interesting to me, even though he's done a decent job, like containing guys like Duncan Robinson, for instance, last year in the postseason. It's Chris is not the guy I would think of when I think uh, foot speed and just like keeping up with guys. But uh, they they make it work somehow. So we'll see how that goes. You mentioned that the Bucks have. Uh, they have a, the, a staunch defense. It's, it's fallen off a little bit in terms of actual metrics this season, but uh, they're still a pretty solid defense. They have all of their core pieces back now. Uh, but, you know, teams are capable of finding holes. Where where do the Sixers sort of press at the seams of this Bucks defense? Yeah, I think I think it still starts with Embiid. Um, he, you know, maybe two years ago, I, I, I would really worry about this matchup for him, just given the fact that the Bucks could throw Brooke to match the strength and then Giannis is the roamer. But now like because he's because he's kind of evolved his game to be this guy off the dribble and in the face up stuff and the the transition, you know, it's not Giannis, it's not Giannis stuff in transition, but you see some of those coast to coast plays. Um different style but you know same result. Um to not the same result, but you know what I mean. Obviously Giannis is Giannis in transition, I don't want to say otherwise. Um but it, it starts there and so Brooke doesn't Brooke is a has been like from the games I've seen since the return the last three weeks has been really impressed defensively. But he doesn't have kind of the level of mobility and foot speed and strength to match that. Giannis is great at what he does, but he doesn't have the, I don't think he has the level of strength. Maybe he can compensate with the length and the flexibility, but um, the way that MB can really kind of suck that Bucks defense in, especially because the Bucks like to stop the paint, they like to cut off the rim. Uh, MB is so good at those kickouts, whether it's a no look or like one step and he gets the defender leading his way and then boom, it's a kick out or finding a cut or things like that. I mean, we saw it. That's what the Sixers did when they beat the Bucks, you know, earlier this year back in in February. They they ran a bunch of face up stuff. They put four shooters around Joel, and they gave and obviously Brooke didn't play that game, but they gave the Bucks defense a lot of issues by just collapsing the paint a lot. So um, that's that's where I got. I think it would be the fact that you know the Bucks are going to want to close off the rim, but Embiid doesn't. Embiid isn't this guy who like has to thrive with sixty percent of his shots at the rim, and so you kind of play off that and you find kickouts to to Danny Green, George Niang, Tyrese Maxey. James Harden, like I said, isn't a great catch-and-shoot guy, but he can still do some stuff off the catch. Tobias Harris has been much better as a quick-trigger catch-and-shoot guy the last month or so. Uh, so that's where you got to go. I think that's kind of what you do. And 
Um, especially in the minutes that, uh, you know, if there are any minutes that Embiid's out there and, and one of Giannis or Brooke isn't out there, you really got to press that because the Bucks aren't super big. We saw that be an issue when Brooke was out this year. So um, that would be kind of, you really got to see what happens there uh, in those minutes. But you, you wonder, are the Sixers going to try and stagger? You're not stagger. Are they going to match Embiid and Giannis? Because we saw what happens when you don't put Joel Embiid on Giannis. He goes for 40 and you know, leads his team to come back win and scores 15 in four minutes or whatever those ridiculous numbers were against Paul Millsap. Um, we'll, we'll see. They they played Paul Reed against Toronto. I don't know if it was a matchup thing, but obviously Paul Reed isn't going to, to stop Giannis, but maybe it's a little better than a Paul Millsap or DeAndre Jordan, maybe marginally so, but also might not matter. But we'll see. I think, but I think it would really be kind of hammering home those minutes where maybe the Bucks aren't this large and humongous team inside like they are during Brooke and Giannis's uh, joint minutes. I'll I'll never doubt B-ball Paul. Never doubt <laughs> B-ball Paul. Uh, but you you mentioned that the that the lack of size from Milwaukee without Brooke is concerning, and that's that's really my concern too. In the sense that if Brooke gets his way into foul trouble, which is very easy to do against Joel Embiid, the next guy up is going to be Bobby Portis. Joel Embiid is going to eat Bobby Portis for breakfast. <laughs> he's go, he's going to eat him for breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever time they're playing these games. And this is maybe why you get a guy like Serge Ibaka on this team just as an insurance policy, but I don't know if he's going to make much of a difference either. We saw him well, in sparse minutes. Yeah, I was say didn't that was when Embiid kind of found his rhythm last game when they threw Ibaka out there. He, I mean, Embiid started slowly, I think, and then they threw Ibaka out there and he drew a couple of fouls and a couple of face-up buckets. But yeah, it's it's tough for sure. Yeah, it's looking back, that trade makes not not a ton of. They did get picks back, and I I get you're not going to pay Dante, but like. I don't know. It it didn't yeah. work out as well as they wanted it to. Uh, but I guess there's a you can't find better fourth center options, third center options than uh, Serge Ibaka. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could have just kept kept Boogie, right? I mean, that it's it seemed to me it's preaching the, to the choir. The the to me the idea there was like they wanted a defensive mind and center, but Serge at the stage is an offensive mind and center, just like Boogie is, and so and the offense wasn't the issue when the this when the bucks have had their their faults this year the offense has looked incredible for most of the year so yeah that was a weird trade for, and i i don't know it was weird obviously uh don isn't a tough spot he didn't look great you know when he when he came back but also he hadn't played for eight months and he was going back into a, a team that was trying to figure things out on the fly so yeah but i didn't didn't love that either i just didn't get kind of the vision because it, it almost just felt like a misunderstanding of who surges at this degree he's still a, a fine player a backup guy but it's it's offense it's not he's not the Guy averaged four blocks a game 10 years ago or anything like that. It's just not his game. Yeah, literally 10 years ago. That's what we're talking about at this point. Uh, but yeah, it's just the frontline defense is what's gonna what's gonna be key in the potential series. And let's say this potential series happens. Who who's winning this? Yeah, I I gotta go Milwaukee in five or six. I just think they're better. Five I know or they, six. I, I just I mean, the Sixers have been so inconsistent since they traded for Harden, and and it just feel that they kind of go as he goes. He's not their best player, of course. Um, and I know that like there's been, the narrative with him has been obviously weird. Like he's still been a top twenty ish, twenty five guy this year. Um, hasn't looked great all the time. There's certainly some some times where <laughs> I don't enjoy it, but the passing is still great. He's still drawing a ton of fouls. He's still scoring fifteen to twenty five a game. He obviously was great against the Bucks, um, but. It's they're just too inconsistent. The defensive communication is is really weird. Like this, we're supposed to switch a lot of stuff, but it's not everything. And they don't quite understand that. The offensive schemes are a lot of it's just like we have Joel and B. James Harden and Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris, and that's about it. It's not a lot of system stuff. 
Um, so I just, I just don't trust them. I know Milwaukee's been inconsistent, but Milwaukee is the reigning champs. It has earned the the benefit of the doubt. I, 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 I feel less worried when they, when they lose to, you know, the, the, the Celtics down three starters than I do when the, when the, when the Sixers lose to the Raptors down, I think two starters yesterday with, you know, Venom leading and Anobi. So, um, I just think they're a lot better team and that could, that could change, um, based off the first round series we'll see, but, um, I just have more confidence in the coaching staff with the Bucks. I think, you know, obviously Bud made huge strides in the last couple of rounds last year. Doc is the guy he's been for six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. No blown lead changes him. He's, 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 uh, he's, he's got that mental fortitude um, for better or for worse, obviously in this case for worse. So I just, I just don't trust the Sixers. I, I was high on them after the Harden trade. And even after the first few games, they've had some good wins. They beat the Wolves on the road and the Wolves have been playing really well. Beat Dallas. Dallas been playing well. Obviously, they came within you know earshot of being the Suns and the Bucks. Um, but just just too many games like losing to the Pistons and losing to the Raptors and squeaking by a, a Cavs team down down Allen Mobley Rubio, all these guys. And so I just I just I just don't. I think the inconsistency is kind of their identity. Like I said at the start. Um, so I would go Milwaukee in five or six. I could see seven, but I think that's where know, I would lean. I would lean probably seven, but maybe I'm just too trepidatious to really make like a concerted pick but uh uh i i don't know i think i think the sixers team is the second best team in the east i think they i think they could definitely they have a chance they could beat milwaukee i think they could i don't necessarily think they will but i'll, I'll say bucks and seven because i think it would be close yeah I, I would love that i mean i think it's funny we're coming from two different sides here right? like like you watch every bucks game and you know there are inconsistencies i watch every sixers game and i know there are inconsistencies and maybe you're underrating theirs and I'm underrating theirs. And so it's like, it's one of those tough parts, but yeah, I, I think, it's, I think it could go like, I think I wouldn't be shocked if the Sixers won the East or anything like that, but they would have to have, they have to play like Harden have to play like he did against the Bucks and they would have to have a game against the Mavs and, and even against the Suns. Like they have to play like that all the time. And I just, I just don't trust it. And then they'd say the fact that like, they're just such a coaching disadvantage against all these great teams, maybe beyond, I mean, I don't know what you consider the Nets, but maybe beyond that, I mean, Ime Udoka's done great this year with the Celtics. And you know, obviously we know the Bud can do, and we know what Spolster can do and and Nick Nurse. And so, like, you know, I just I've wa- I've I've watched this doc team basically every game they played the last two years. And I just I don't feel great that he's gonna make the necessary adjustments in game and, and all that. And so it's just just tough for me. But but hey, you got a guy like Harden who can make every pass in the book. Well, he can make a lot of the passes in the book. And Joel is a great scorer, and we know what Joel's done in the playoffs defensively the last few years you're going to have a chance. So um, we'll see, but I just, I just can't quite get there, but you know, you could ask me that with somehow maybe this miraculously becomes a two, three matchup and you know, we're talking three weeks and maybe the Sixers have dispatched over they played in the first round easily. And maybe I feel better, but for now it just, here's too many consistencies. Like I said, flashes of brilliance, but you got to have that brilliance for four straight games against a great team like Milwaukee. And I just, I just worry a little bit about that, but I would hope it, I would love for it to go seven and have some really, really fun games, but I just a little more skeptical, but could certainly be wrong. I've been wrong about a lot of things in, in, in the season with the Sixers and whatnot, but uh, we'll see. We shall see indeed. Jackson, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us here at the Eurostep. Where, where can the people find your work? Yeah, um, so you can find my, my Sixers content over at Liberty Ballers. Um, my general NBA stuff, a bunch of playoff stuff going over at Basketball News, the analyst in Dime Up Rocks. Then you can follow me on Twitter at Jack Frank underscore JJF, tweeting all sorts of videos and analysis. So for the playoffs and you know hopefully we get a fun series like this uh, with the Sixers and Bucks that go seven hopefully you're right and I'm wrong hopefully thank you thank you absolutely one of the best in the business like I mentioned up top Jackson Frank make sure you check out all his work
All right, and now to talk about the Miami Heat, another team the Bucks will not be playing in the first round this year, which is probably uh, probably good for us both. But here with David Vermill to talk about Bucks Heat, the Heat, uh, and and just you know this team that has been, I'd say, probably Milwaukee's biggest rival, or at least one of them in the last couple of years. And we'll see if we get to uh, to break the one one tie over the last two times they've met in the playoffs. But David, how's it going? Uh, pretty good so far, Ty. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, just got a couple questions to run by. I think this first one will be an opportunity for uh, you to uh, feed me some crow because I want to ask you to give me the, you know, quick couple-minute summary of Miami's season heading into the playoffs. And, of course, I, I was on your podcast, talked a bit about what I thought the Heat would be, did not think they would be all that good. Um, you have a better recollection than I do purposefully of exactly what I said. Um, but the heat obviously have locked up the one seed going into this last day of game. So they've had quite a strong season heading into the playoffs, but how would you break down Miami's year? It's been challenging. And at the same time, they have absolutely surpassed expectations in terms of like how they've dealt with injury and roster turnover and everything else. And of course, this isn't just this isn't just too, you know something the Heat has to deal with. Every team in the league has to to some extent, but they've missed significant amount of time from Jimmy Butler. Bam Adebayo had surgery in December, missed several weeks of basketball. Kyle Lowry's been in and out of the lineup due to personal reasons, and you know they've been trying to incorporate Tyler Hero and a fairly new roster of players, including PJ Tucker. And somehow the the one constant has just been them finding a way to win, and they've gotten a lot of production from guys that nobody expected to be significant contributors including Caleb Martin who was waived by the Charlotte Hornets they sure could use him and he's turned into a great defender and three-point shooter for Miami Max Struess etc so their bench has really stepped up in the absence of either Jimmy Kyle or Bam missing some time and they just continue to win Eric Spolster has done a really good job of maximizing this roster and getting him to play at the right pace with a, a great clear identity of who they are as a team. And yes, as far as eating crow is concerned, <laughs> I think 44 wins uh, was your max for this team. I think you hovered around 41 teams uh, at 41 games, excuse me. Yeah. And uh, well, they're 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 hovering around 53, 54 with the end of the season on the line tonight. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, uh, I'll take the L. You know, and I think really what's <laughs> uh, I, maybe most surprising or most impressive is some of my predicted issues with the Heat did happen, right? I mean, there mm. were, I think, some spacing issues in, in the games when the, the big three, I guess you would say, all did play, plus P.J. Tucker, who cooled yeah. down after being the league's best three-point shooter before the oh, break, yeah. um, which seems like uh, it could be significant uh, heading into the playoffs. But I think it's really, you know, Spolstra, who I don't think is being looked at as a favorite for coach of the year. And I get that a lot of guys have had great seasons, but I think he should probably be at least be top three of every ballot, the the kind of season yeah. that Miami's had. But, I mean, maybe the Heat should just get, like, player development of the year. That's not an award, but, you know, Max Strews, Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin have all given teams nightmares this season. Tyler Harrow yeah. looks better. Than, Hero looks better than ever. I don't know why. I, I, it's Hero. I don't know why I keep saying Hero, but um, I got to put some respect on, on that man's name. He's had a tremendous season. So, yeah, I think it's it's been a, a wild kind of – I don't know if this is the way anybody would have predicted their season going. I mean, I think right. certainly, you know, Heat fans thought they would be this good. I just don't know if this is the reason. But all acknowledging all of that, heading into the playoffs, you know, they, they've got one. The Bucks will be two or three. I'm not entirely sure as we're recording. Potentially three. But either way, 
wouldn't see the Heat until the conference finals. So both teams would have to go through some tough, tough opposition to get to a third matchup. But if that does happen, you know, what matchups within Bucks Heat do you think could dictate a potential series if these two teams meet in the conference finals? Between a Bucks Heat series, what matchup I think would be the one most likely to define a series is uh, Drew Holiday versus Kyle Lowry. That's the one exactly, that I see. Exactly, exactly what I was thinking as well. Yeah, uh, as you recall from last year's series against uh, Miami, uh, obviously the Bucks had an answer for everything that they did offensively. They didn't have a significant contributor other than Jimmy Butler, and the defense keyed in on what he could do. Uh, he's sending either Giannis or Holiday or somebody else to attack Butler on all occasions. His jumper wasn't falling. He wasn't able to get to the line as much as he does during the regular season, et cetera. And they just had no answer for what Milwaukee could do offensively as well. So while some of those games felt like they were close, in reality, Milwaukee dictated the pace completely. Having said that, you go and acquire Kyle Lowry during the offseason specifically for this reason is because he can contend with Holiday to some extent. His three-point shooting has been incredible over the last three months. Uh, since uh, February started, he's been shooting 47% from three. Uh, he's been very, very good. He's just getting into a comfortable groove. Even with all the time that he has missed on and off, he's still finding his way here. And he, he defines so much of what Miami can do in terms of playing with pace, playing with intent pushes the ball up with those outlet passes of his. He always seems to have an incredible understanding of, of where the defense is, et cetera. And, of course, he's great at drawing charges and everything else that he did in Toronto. So between me, I, I, my thinking is that if he can hold his own against a player like Holiday or even maybe you know, dictate a game or two within a series, that's where the matchup really lies. That really could change things in favor of Miami. Yeah, I definitely agree with Holiday Lowry being a big one. I think the Bucks have obviously suffered at the hands of all-time Lowry playoff performances before. I think mm. a little bit of it's again. I think I think Bucks fans would be pretty confident as a whole going into this series. Although that's yes. one of those that's one of those matchups where you know you never feel great. I think about playing Kyle Lowry, even if you say you do. I think at the in the back of your mind, you're a little bit afraid, knowing that that seems like one of those guys who can always. Turn back. I don't know if turn back the clock is necessary, but it really, you know, tap into just, his best. He just games. does what he does. It, yeah. it, look, it's just so weird. Like even even recently, like I had Katie Heindel, who covered the team in Toronto and Kyle for a long time on the show. And she was just talking about how like he slowly ramps up over the course of the season. And it's like his output doesn't even feel like he's not going to go off for 50 or anything like that. He might not even approach 30 on a game to game basis. But he just hits a big shot, takes a charge, plays a little defense, makes the right pass to a player. And all of a sudden, what you were down seven or eight, and now you're up five. It's just like that's the kind of contribution that he makes. And it's like it feels more subtle, but it's definitely noticeable over the course of a game. Absolutely. Um, I think my runner-up matchup in this series particular would probably be Bam Adebayo versus Brooke Lopez. And I mm. think – you know, Bam, obviously, at this point in his career is going to be the the better, more productive player. But Lopez was as important as anybody versus the Heat last time out the way yes. he was really able to put a chokehold on the paint and, and just not let Jimmy or Bam get comfortable there. And I think yeah. this series, you know, maybe more than any other series, even including obviously if, if Bucks run into Sixers, Lopez is going to be really important there to do his best with Joel Embiid. We'll see. They're, they're probably going to have to go through the Raptors, who do a really great job defending Embiid. We'll see what happens. But I think Miami is another series where you would expect Lopez to, you know, maybe have an as important of a role for the Bucks as he will against sure. any team. So I think Bam, you is, know, Bam has always had a problem with Lopez's height and length, et, yeah. et cetera. Like he just 
he he becomes less of a player whenever Lopez is out there. And that's 100% honest. I think even Bam would admit to that. But I we've seen a different version of Bam this year where he's a, bit, a little bit more aggressive, and you wonder whether or not he's going to be able to contend with Lopez and that the challenge that that height and length presents for him or has presented for him in the past because I think this is a better version of Bam than what Milwaukee has seen in past series. Yeah, and I think uh, I still get roasted from time to time by uh, Rohan and Adam on our network because I got in this big argument we're drafting Olympic teams that Bam's mid-range game is better than they give it credit for and he just really really what he is but he wasn't he didn't shoot many wasn't that comfortable because something I say about Brooke too is He's like deceptively long. And I think oh, yeah. they don't switch him much, but when he is guarding someone who's going to shoot, even even the elite shooters in the league, nobody is comfortable shooting over Brook Lopez because he's just so towering. It's hard to see over the guy. So that I think that that too would be a, a crucial one. See how if if Brook can be that good again, that that's a huge swing for the Bucks. But with with Lopez going in drop coverage, Bam's gonna have that 15 to 18 footer. Yeah. And he's been willing to take it this year. So yeah. I, I think we saw him slowly ramp up last year. We even saw some progress the season before when they were in the bubble. But this year I think he's just much more comfortable. And if he can get, you know, if he can at least fake the shot and get Lopez up in the air and drive past him, well, then it's kind of over because he finishes at the rim at such a high level. So we'll see. It's an interesting matchup. Both of them really are. Yeah, I think there's a lot of really – you could dig into, oh, yeah. I think, probably six in, in this series, but I think those are two of the better ones. Yeah. Oh, this is a dangerous question. I could see this going a lot of different ways too. But if you had to right. identify one Heat player who you view as a potential Bucks killer on the roster, hmm. who would you pick out? Uh, the one most likely, I think, would be Tyler Hero. Uh, okay. just He is – I mean – it's either him or Max Struess, who you mentioned before, because both of them have been like incredibly ignitable to me. Yeah. Like you, their offense just catches fire. Like you can take Tyler out for a quarter or two, but generally there's one quarter late in the game where he'll catch fire, and he just he enjoys that moment. Uh, he's been, as we mentioned before we started recording, he's been like the heart of Miami's offense on many occasions, uh, which is a dangerous thing to live and die by. But it's been mostly successful, as we talked about too. So. I think Tyler just catches fire. But then Max Struess is another guy. He's just recently inserted into the starting lineup in place of Duncan Robinson. And maybe the first quarter he won't score, but in the third quarter he can have 15 points. And and that's where all of a sudden it's like a momentum shift takes place with Max just being a little bit more aggressive. He's a great shooter, but he gets to the rim a little bit more easily than Duncan does. Too. He catches lobs on occasion. He's just willing to attack the paint in a way that Duncan is not. And I think he's a guy who can definitely change things in Miami's favor. Yeah, I, honestly, I think those are obviously strong answers. I was yeah. a little well, – I was wondering if you were going to say P.J. Tucker. I mean, I know he's cooled off Ooh. a lot, but he's, he was so good in, in some of the runs like defending Giannis when these teams met, matched up earlier. And obviously, yeah. you know, there's a guy who if he does play a lot, and we'll see. I mean, uh, Spo has a lot of options rotationally uh, against the Bucks and against any series with how maybe, maybe you're, you're kind of nodding. Some of the young guys have come on strong. I mean, there, there's a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of guys who can play at least a bit on this roster. Um, but I think PJ, you know, if he gives you great shifts on Giannis and hits a couple threes, that can be huge. I think the Bucks spent all playoffs waiting for him to hit those couple of threes. And yeah. don't know if it really ever happened, but it worked out for them regardless. But uh, not, <laughs> not, not seeing PJ as, as a Bucks killer this time around. No, uh, it's just, I come not to expect PJ's production on offense. Yeah. Like yeah. defensively, even defensively, he's taken a little step back. Like uh, the intensity is always there. There are some good games scattered with some bad games, 
But offensively, you never know what you're going to get. Like his his three point attempts have cut down considerably. His three point percentage has definitely dropped off a cliff. Uh, I've been more impressed with his floater game than anything else. Like he's been much more willing and able to put it down the floor and create offense that way and, and get to the paint. And he's got a nice floater game that I had not previously seen or did not think it was going to be as potent as it's been. But it's been a real weapon for him and on, on occasion. But I just I never expect PJ to score. So when it does, it's kind of like the cherry on top. You'll take it, but you're not going to really go looking for it either. Yeah, I think Bucks fans could really, really relate to, to that sentiment. Um, yeah, I'm uh, sure. Yeah. So the looking at the other side of the ball a bit here, how is this Heat team geared to attack Milwaukee? And I think, you know, definitely this is something we've seen when they've played, but expecting the guys like Hero, Struess to be able to knock down some threes, especially the way Milwaukee is going to play defense against this Miami team. But, you know, on a on a whole team basis, you know, how do you expect Spo and the Heat to try and attack the Bucks, assuming we see a good amount of, of drop and, and Brooke Lopez out there? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, the three-point shot that obviously they're going to rely on. Uh, it's a team that shoots the ball well. They shoot it uh, not as much, but that's been slowly ticking up. Uh, and I think that's like the, this team, man, and as I hate to say it, but the reality is that it's almost like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because it's just two different versions of the team. There's one where it's really slow and they can't get the ball. They haven't been moving around. You saw that four-game losing streak recently where almost all of their flaws were exposed to a great degree. And then they kind of flipped the script on that and they won like six straight. So uh, you know, now this is the best version of this team, which you kind of want as they're slowly building towards the playoff where it's, you know, one where they share the ball and they're taking close to about 43s a game. And that's right where you want them because they'll make them on occasion. You know, Tyler will hit, Kyle will hit, Struess will hit, Duncan coming off the bench will hit, et cetera. Even Jimmy has been taking threes. And you, you don't necessarily want to rely on that as a weapon, just like you don't want to rely on P.J. Tucker. But when they're spreading the floor like that, that's when you can get Bam and Jimmy to attack the paint where you can free spots up for Kyle on occasion to get to the line. You know, it's just it's all predicated on their three point shooting, dictating the terms of the defense there. And once they do that, then they kind of just are able to pick their spots. Great passers all the way around. Jimmy's an underrated passer. Kyle, obviously, Bam. So you've got a lot of great passing on multiple positions there. And I think that adds a little little bit of versatility on offense just as much as you see it on defense so that's that's that i mean that would be my idea for what how miami could take advantage of the milwaukee matchup yeah i think that that is the option that makes sense for pretty much any team rather than trying to you know go at brooke lopez and, and Giannis down there in the paint so would not yeah. would not surprise me at all and i think that that does make a lot of sense um Jimmy being able to hit a couple threes, I think would be would be really big for Miami. Uh, we'll see. I don't, I don't know if they need it, but it it could it could be nice for for the Heat. He's just a different player when he's hitting those threes. Like, yeah, I, I mean, you saw him in the playoffs last year when Miami got swept, and he was just like a shade of the player that he had been in the series against them the prior year. And, and you know, I, I know he took a lot of crap from it. Uh, he was stupidly locked in. I know I took a lot of crap for it personally. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot going on there, but just like Jimmy was not. Like, uh, you know, he just wasn't a functional player out there. And you have to give credit to Milwaukee's defense for being able to shut him down. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it, it's really intriguing to me that he started to shoot him again and hit some recently because it, it wasn't that he was, like, breaking all year. He just stopped shooting, you know, for, for more than a year oh, now. Yeah. So it's it's that, I think, is one of those things that is probably going to get overlooked. There's so many other storylines. I mean, is Ben Simmons going to come back, whatever else? I, I'm so tired of Ben Simmons' headlines for a guy who has not played all year. But – um, that's one of those things that who knows, maybe maybe could be a big deal for Miami in, in the playoffs yeah. this season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's swing back to defense. And we talked a little bit about PJ earlier. And I do think that, 
you know, the Heat plan will probably be as it has for a while, which is try to put someone else front line on Giannis and then have Bam as that backline defender. But, you know, and this is the million dollar question for everyone playing the Bucks right. But is that how you see the Heat defending Giannis or, or what is your expectation for how they will try to defend him as a team? I think even this regular season, as well as in the playoffs, and even this, you know, when the Bucks won in four, Giannis yeah. still was not getting whatever he wanted. I think Miami consistently has defended him very well. So would you expect that to hold up in a potential series? Yeah, I, I don't see why you'd change it. Uh, I mean, in, in, you, you have to kind of force other players to step up, and they obviously have in the past. But I, I think if you can at least hinder Giannis or make him uncomfortable or don't let him get to those shots that he finds so easy – uh, you know, I think that's the, the strategy. And again, yeah, it's worked. And and a lot of that is built on the fact that you have PGA who can kind of sort of hold his own. But then the fact that you have arguably his best defender in Bam Adebayo, like, I mean, that's a guy who you could put one on one with with Giannis. And, you know, it's a pretty even matchup, much more even than any other player in the league. I think when it comes to Giannis, he's a guy who obviously dominates so many other players, but against Bam, a little bit more difficult. Jimmy can hold his own, even Kyle, certainly. Uh, from that point forward, then it's kind of like iffy because there's nobody else really on this roster who can really step up and provide the same kind of versatility defensively as those four guys. But that's that's the key right there. You know, you know build a wall, et cetera, you know, challenge Giannis. And, and Miami has done a pretty good job of that in the few past playoff matches to some extent. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see if the Bucks would need to or, or want to adjust because they've shifted their lineup from all offense to all defense you know obviously as brooke lopez was going to get healthy he was going to take that starting spot back from bobby portis but i think injury has played a little bit into this as well he has west or grayson has not played in a little while but now west matthews the starting two guard and i think you look at you know bryn forbes obviously was so big in that series and he didn't need to start to have that impact but I think Miami could especially be one of those teams where maybe the Bucks lean into playing guys like Grayson Allen, um, even Pat Connaughton, who's really come on as a shooter more than usual, and Wes Matthews less. It's an interesting balance because you play Wes if you're the Bucks, and you really have like like Miami does a lot of the time, no real holes defensively on the roster, on the lineup, I should yeah. say, on the floor. But yeah. you do lose some spacing. You know, he shot around 34% from three, really bad in the middle of the year, really good early and, and now late, thankfully, for the Bucks. But I do agree that between PJ, who is a good Giannis defender, Bam, who is both excellent behind another player and as the primary, Miami does seem poised. And even like if he's not guarding Giannis, Lowry coming and, you know, coming from the nail right. and trying to disrupt, right? Like they just have so many smart, versatile frankly annoying defenders to deal with that uh, I don't think Giannis will have an easy time I think we'll see a better a better go from Giannis I think he's better yeah. now and you know obviously the, the, in the regular season he's been better and, and still didn't have that much success but I think we'll see a different level of of intensity of course but I would think that that's the concerning part about this series from Milwaukee you kind of have to rely on other guys more and it went really well last time but I'm always more comfortable relying on Giannis than than anybody else because, hey, he's Giannis, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, who Who is the guy who you think is most likely to step up in lieu of Giannis being the dominant scorer that could be the quote-unquote heat killer? Who's the X factor on that side of the equation from your perspective? Yeah, I think, honestly, it'll be interesting. I almost think it could be either of Drew or Chris or maybe both. Yeah. Um, two guys who last postseason, they barely got going at the same time. 
But when they did, the Bucks just looked so different. And that's carried over now. I mean, when those guys are all 25-ish or more points, usually Giannis is probably like 10 ahead of both of them, then yeah. the Bucks just become so tough because you, you got role players throwing in some more as well. They just yeah. score so many points, the, the level that they can defend on. It's really tough to beat them. It wouldn't surprise me, though, although I think he's had an up-and-down regular season, if this is a series where Chris Middleton is getting a lot of catch-and-shoot looks moving off of Giannis, I think he could really feast. Drew's step back has been great. It was last regular season. It didn't hold into the playoffs. That holding up would change a lot for the Bucks. But I think Chris Middleton is a guy who really should be poised to take advantage of defenses tilting toward Giannis. Obviously, the Heat do it well without tilting too, obviously. But even if Chris is contested, he can knock down those catch-and-shoot threes. So I think Chris shooting hot could be a big difference maker for the Bucks in this series. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. Although I think Heat fans are probably concerned that Bobby Portis might go off a yeah. game or two because it just—I think they have some PTSD from last season <laughs> about that. He—he's had a knack for stepping up and hitting big shots against Miami. As yeah. is Middleton, no doubt. Yeah, well, yeah, I think um, that'll be an interesting one too. I think Bobby has earned the right to play more against all teams. I mean, he famously yeah. didn't play the last three games against Brooklyn. I don't know if that would happen in a potential series this year, but he really did step up. He's really ingrained himself in in you know the Bucks ecosystem and and proven himself so i think he's going to get chances every every game to see is he going to have one of those five for seven from three games that can really swing a series um so last one here the shortest question but maybe the hardest to answer who wins the series bucks heat you're really putting me on the spot here and honestly i have no idea and because i have no idea i hate to say it but i have to go with milwaukee Miami has just been yeah, no, I know. I uh, Miami has just been a team that has been uh, difficult to predict, not just because of you know the the missing players in the year and there, but even recently when everybody was allegedly healthy and things were you know looking like they might be promising, they kind of tanked a little bit and then they sort of just picked things up. Uh, and this is if this is the best version of this team, then you know, and I guess it's pretty cliche and or you, something that you could apply to almost every team. I think Miami could be pretty dominant in this series. But if it's the bad version of Miami, the 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 Mister Hyde kind of version, then if that's the case, then uh, and then Milwaukee could pull out a sweep again. Like uh, that's that would surprise me more than anything. I don't think it would be another sweep, but uh, it could be pretty close. Uh, Miami certainly has a lot to prove. They built this roster specifically to be able to you know contend and to contend against Milwaukee this season. So I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I'd say I'd say Bucks and seven. Yeah, I, I certainly I lean Bucks too for some obvious reasons and and some you know actual reasons. Um, I, I think just the the way that Milwaukee can defend the paint and, and make it difficult for Jimmy and Bam. Obviously, there's more help now. Tyler Hero's yeah. better. They added Lowry. I just I, it's going to be so difficult. I think for those two guys, and I think it's just really hard to win a series when your best players are are made to be uncomfortable. So uh, I'm going to lean Bucks as well. I think probably closer to, to five or maybe six to be back home mm-hmm. in Milwaukee for it. Um, oh, wow. But I, I am, I am going to lean bucks. Um, but unless there's any, any last notes here, David, that's all the questions I've got. And I really appreciate your time, man. No, I'm surprised that you didn't ask me about Duncan Robinson coming off the bench or Victor Oladipo, which I think has been like the question mark that everybody expected. Like, uh, you know, Oladipo's minutes have been pretty inconsistent. He looks like he's basically out of the rotation at this point. But then when he played just a week ago today against the Toronto Raptors, he had a huge game. It looked like he was dominant, shooting the three well, able to get to the rim and and, and dunk with ease, and then hasn't played the last game since then. So it's just, 
it's difficult to see exactly how Oladipo fits into this lineup, but it's been, uh, he's another weapon you can bring in maybe as a spark on occasion, but he hasn't figured out quite how to fit alongside Jimmy and Bam. So it can get a little messy in there. So when Jimmy was out against the Raptors last week, that's when Victor started and he wound up having a huge game. So he's an X factor, just not sure how much of one he could possibly be. Yeah. I think, you know, Duncan Robinson, I, I it, it was an odd choice, but you know, as a fellow podcast, I don't want to don't want to go at him or, or anything like that. But I think it'll be All interesting right. to see, you know, what kind of an impact he can have coming up. You guys the are both part of the Blue Wire Network, right? Exactly. That's right. We are. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so Your co-worker Duncan Robinson. Uh, I hope he has a great series, and the Bucks just happen to win anyway. Uh, is my is my Duncan Robinson take? Um, but no, it's <laughs> a good point on Oladipo. I think it seemed like he wanted to be a Buck. He didn't end up a Buck. Um, has obviously had a tough year coming back, but. We'll be interesting to see how much uh, Spo feels like he can trust him after not being able to play so much of the season. Yeah, uh, look, maybe he's in great shape behind the scenes, but we haven't seen enough to say that he's going to be a legitimate contributor for Miami in a series. Yeah, uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see. I mean, maybe he checks in and, and everything changes, but uh, until then, I mean, we'll we'll have, we'll dive deeper ahead of this if the series does actually happen. But David, thanks so much for the time, man. Really appreciate. Always it. a pleasure, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, that's all the interviews done, Ty. We went through all four of those teams. Hopefully you all enjoyed those conversations. Uh, yeah. Do we? Have, do you have any closing thoughts here, Ty, as we wrap up this episode? Um, you know, I think I, I'm not that upset that the Bucks are not catching any of these teams in the first round. So I think we agree that those are the four teams that are maybe the best shot to beat the Bucks, or at least the best ceiling in the East. Uh, I don't think the Bulls have a real chance. I'm also not mad the Raptors are on the other side of the bracket. I don't think they're going to make this Cinderella run. Some people see. Um, but it worked out that that we didn't talk about the Raptors because we'll have plenty of time to dive deep on them and their story if they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But if they don't, the Bucks don't have to worry about them. But no, I, I thought it was good conversations um, with some of these premier teams. And, you know, I'm excited to see how this playoff run goes. Um I guess just real quickly, do you have any thoughts on on two versus three and the Bucks resting guys against uh, um, who they, against the Cavs? It's just I don't know. It's a it's a rest game because it was their third game in four nights. They played the back to back. If you're gonna tank, you tank against the Pistons. Yeah, I mean, or I, really, I think, you can tank against the Celtics and really make yeah. sure you're not gonna get two. I think it's more of a they don't care versus they're done. Yeah, it's more of a we'll face whoever we face and we just want to make sure our guys are healthy in the playoffs. That's it. I, I agree. I think uh, I don't like not potentially having home court in the second round. Although if the Nets do, you know, as everyone's saying, if they rise up and beat a team, you know, they can win one series, but not three series, or whatever else is said about the Nets, then the Bucks do have home court. And if someone manages to beat Miami, then the Bucks suddenly have home court through the whole East. So I wouldn't favor that. I think probably will be a second round series in Boston. Potential game seven in Boston is is a little scary to think about, but Bucks just have to handle business before a series goes that far. And they were the third seed last year and we knew what happened then. It worked out pretty well. And I mean, a really a team that we thought was going to be the big juggernaut uh, did not make it to the conference finals. That the Sixers might not make it to the second round. Who knows who's going to make it to the conference finals? But yeah, it's a wild bracket in the East. So I think potentially losing an extra round of home court stinks, but it's probably a fair trade for getting one of the very few, I will say, cupcake first round matchups. Like it's this for and sure. the non-Nets play-in team, right? That's it. 
Yeah, for sure. Those are the only like sort of walkers. I was about to say no disrespect to, to the Chicago Gold, Chicago Bulls, but it's very disrespectful. <laughs> I mean, it's just facts. Like, you know, I, I think they had a great season. DeMar's really good. But clearly when they got those injuries, they fell apart. They never put it back together. It sounds like there's going to be a Tristan Thompson mutiny at some point. Hopefully we get to watch that live in 4K during the playoffs. But either way, I think uh, the Bucks can get some revenge for 2015. So that would just leave the Raptors as teams they would need to beat um, to exact some revenge from the earlier Giannis eras, right? Yeah, that's it. And we know this team wants to do it. And we'll see what happens as this playoff run unfolds. Uh, yeah, let's wrap up. Say thank you for listening to this episode of the Eurostep here on the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure you're subscribed to the Substack, gspn.substack.com. Subscribe to the YouTube Eurostep Podcast Network on YouTube. Leave a five-star rating on your podcast platform of choice. Get into the Discord. Link to that will be in my Twitter bio, Ty's Twitter bio, the pod account's Twitter bio, at Eurostep Podcast. At Eurostep Podcast? Yeah. yeah. I always oh get those. Oh, boy. Questions. No, you're the one who has to know because I never know. It's, it's at Eurostep, Eurostep Podcast. Podcast, yeah. Because yeah. the email is Eurostep Podcast. Eurostep Pod. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, make sure you leave a five-star rating on your <laughs> podcast platform of choice. Leave a review if you can. Ty, do we have a review? We have a good one from Thundernuts. Oh, perfect. It's starting strong. But it's a very it's, it's funny because the display name is Thundernuts with alternating caps and a dash. But it's a very nice, sweet review. So keep up the great work, exclamation don't, point. What are you, what I was going to say, don't judge a book by its cover. That's that's a great point. Five-star review on Apple uh, from Thundernuts, who writes, The Eurostep offers Bucks fans consistent and high-quality Bucks coverage. I graduated from college with majors in media studies and Spanish. As someone aspiring to be on air soon, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Adam, Ty, Jordan, and Rohan's content. It has been a really enjoyable experience to keep up with you guys throughout the last few years as you continue to refine your craft and improve as podcast hosts. Thanks for the great content and laughs, Mario. Oh, that's so really sweet. Nice. And Mario, so Thundernuts, if you want any any questions, any advice, whatever, feel free to email Eurostepod at gmail.com. Or love hit to, us up on Twitter. Yeah. That too. Yeah, whatever works. But I would love to chat. But no, very nice review. Thank you so much. Excited to uh, to hear you on the air sometime soon. Very, very much looking forward to it. If we are the influences, though, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. It's going to have to be like a Sirius XM station or something. I don't know if we could be on over the air. I mean, I, I, I do very – I do short guest appearances frequently on over the air radio, terrestrial radio, as they say. I don't know if I could do full length without like getting thrown off the air. So good luck, Mario. Yeah, I hope you're, hope you're drawing from more responsible sources as well. Uh, but ho- I'm glad I'm glad you enjoy our content. Yeah. Thank you for the review. Uh, thank you all for listening. Pod random, and we will talk to you next time.